is Gearing Up with Sean Dunn and Tristan Kirkham, where we're going to talk about the PLL and MLL and everything else related to lacrosse. So Tristan, let's let's start off with talking about the MLL. You know, it was founded in 1999. Uh, they had their inaugural season in 2001, and then you come to the moment today where the PLL has arised in uh, 2018. You know, Paul Rabel did that, and then his brother Mike Rabel also did that. And now they're announcing the merger. Uh, it was announced what? In December, I believe. And it was kind of took the lacrosse world by surprise because we kind of all thought they were rival leagues, especially with the MLL being a league for such a long period of time, starting in 2001, and the PLL just being founded, like Sean said, in 2018. Um, I think it definitely does kind of help the game of lacrosse out with growth and just kind of at, like that aspect and kind of reaching out to fans because now we don't have that competition between kind of two leagues fighting over fans and just kind of saying who's better and kind of having that argument. So from my point of view, I think it's just a great great thing for a game of lacrosse. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard uh, thinking about it because, you know, you had what, I think it was six teams or eight, eight teams? Or yeah, so I think MLL. it was seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean... Uh, talking about this merger now and then you're only getting one team which is the uh the boston cannons and i mean as you know with the pll they only do uh, they don't do city-based teams so it's gonna have to change the cannons lacrosse club but i mean how does that i mean how does that work how do you leave out so many teams i feel like and so many players just from professional lacrosse in general and i mean i i know you're going from i would say a smaller league to a bigger league because the pll is PLL is rapidly growing more so than the MLL, but I don't really understand it. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it just kind of comes from the aspect of they want to keep the talent high and kind of grow the league in the game. So I guess necessarily they don't want to bring in a lot of guys from MLL who say or per se aren't exactly the best lacrosse players in the world, and they kind of want to keep that talent pool in the PLL kind of tighter and kind of a smaller group of guys who they know they can trust to kind of bring the game every day. So I feel like just bringing that one expansion team in obviously does pose the question of how many guys are going to be out of a job this summer. But like I said earlier, I, they want to keep that talent pool kind of tight and just kind of be able to bring top of talent and just, like like it says, the Premier Lacrosse League, they, they want to be the Premier League. They're not just going to let anyone play. They want the best guys in the world, and I think it just comes down to that. So currently having only eight teams with that new expansion team, I think that's what they're looking for especially with that expansion draft coming up, the entry draft. You've got Lyle Thompson, who's arguably one of the best players in the world at the moment. You've got guys like Colin Heacock and Isaiah Davis-Allen who are definitely going to make an impact on whatever team they end up on. But with that being said, yeah, I do agree. Like The small selection of teams definitely does pose kind of, I would say, a threat just because when you're looking in, as a fan, there's only eight teams, and you look at the NHL, who's got like 30 teams. You got the NFL, MLB, with just numerous, numerous teams, and right. you look at the PLL, and you've only got eight teams. I mean, that's definitely something to talk about. Right. Yeah. I mean, it'd be weird if you have like an NFL and like something else. Obviously, Canadian Football League is a little different, but you know, still. Let's talk about the 2020 season. Looking back, the PLL. I mean, it wasn't like they wanted it to be because of covid but um what they have a bubble based yeah so they did a bubble based and it was located in salt lake city utah and basically their whole idea was as soon as you get tested that first two weeks before the tournament you go into 
kind of quarantine and you're you're locked in there you're not gonna know kind of compared to the MLL where the MLL I would say didn't wasn't as strict and just kind of let the guys do what they want the PLL you had them they're all on that one little campus in Utah no family no friends you you're stuck with your team for I believe it was two weeks at the time and it was just kind of we're not going to take any so if you tested positive had any symptoms or anything like that you were put in isolation like they're not going to let that fly so I think with them being so strict, that's why it allowed them to have such a successful two weeks, I would say. I mean, obviously, teams were only limited to six games in that kind of tight two weeks, but they did put on a great show. They had a great tournament. Every team kind of played their all, gave it everything they had, and they did have that time in preparation with the practices leading up. They had, a, I believe it was a week or so, to kind of practice together, get back together as mm-hmm. a team, especially for that whole covid whole COVID protocol and kind of everyone missing out on summer ball and it was kind of delayed but I think with that season being so tight and kind of I I guess I would say close and reality to games and stuff like that it's just you're either in or you're out like we looked at it and I believe it was the chaos went 0-4 and and they're around Robin or 0-3 and they Put the bed and two and five of the season, I believe. Yeah, and then you, they turn it on the last two games of the year, and then they make a championship. They lose, end up losing the championship to the back-to-back champions, the Whip Snakes. Just they're currently the best lacrosse team in the world. It seems like mm-hmm. can't do anything wrong, but no, yeah, you've got such a small kind of time to play all those games. It's if you have one off day, it seems like you're just kind of. You're either in or out. Like, the Chaos got lucky. They just turned it on at the end. But if you look at the Water Dogs, they didn't have too bad of a start. They lost, I think, their first two or three games were one-goal games. But they just couldn't pull out the Ws, and it affected them in the end. That's a big thing. I mean, you know, you see a lot of these teams, like the Chaos, they went 2-5. and Um, The Water Dogs were only 1-4. and But, you know, they have a couple key uh, key players who can do many things. Uh, They have a lot of outside scorers, two-point shooters. But, uh, I mean, the Water Dogs, they were 1-4, but, you know, you said they lost a couple games that were one-goal games, games, and then the Chaos somehow 2-5, but they still made it in the championship. That's just crazy seeing that in the league, and, you know, it gives hope for all teams, I guess you can say, because it's not really necessarily a whole season that you have to go through. Uh, You don't really have to have a whole good year of playing and stuff, but, I mean... The whole thing is just competing. You know, they come out there and compete for a couple weeks and do what they got to do. Do what they got to do, take care of business. Um, so now we'll kind of shift to how the MLL kind of handled this season, this 2020 kind of pandemic crazy year. They kind of had a similar idea where they wanted to do a bubble. They were all in one facility too, but not as, I wouldn't say as close or uh, professional as the PLL, the MLL kind of just had a hotel themselves off, and then I believe they played at the Navy Corps facility, um, in Baltimore, Maryland, and yeah, they would go back to the hotel, they go to the field, but the guys could go still on town. Like you had, I believe it was like four or five guys test right. positive, yeah. um, on that last day, and you had two teams back out of the tournament. Like you're going to that tournament, you're you should be in or out. Like doesn't come down to oh a couple guys test positive we're out of the season kind of thing like you still want to compete for a championship right but i just think that the ml could have obviously handled this more professionally 
Um, who knows where those guys got COVID, but just kind of makes you ask some questions when it's the final day and you get four or five guys testing positive from two different teams. Like, how, how are they getting that? Because it's not like the teams are hanging out together. They're, they're all separated. So it just makes you ask that question. Did the guys get out? Were, were they breaking quarantine rules? Like, they just put their seasons on the line, and it just kind of comes all down to that. Right. Well, I mean, looking at the MLL, too, compared to the PLL, you know, the PLL has uh, NBC as their main television network. I know that. I mean, I think you still have to pay for it, right? Yeah, so basically how it works is you have that kind of premier cross league pass where you have exclusive to all, all games, and I think you get a couple of benefits with that. Yeah. Right, yeah, so the MLL didn't really have any of that. I think they would probably have streams online of some sort. I think that's what it was, and... You know, I think that's not as exciting if you know you're being streamed on a, you know, big television network like NBC, then I think it makes it all more of a big deal. But uh, you see some of the trades out lately, though. Jeez. Yeah, it seems like the Atlas are uh, just kind of jumping ship Keeping here. Giving away get, their team. Hey? Yeah, just going going fresh to the board. They got rid of Paul Rabel. Yeah, Paul Rabel to the Cannons. Yeah, that's, where he, uh, league. that's where he started off for Yeah. Played most of his years in the MLL, yeah, too, which is pretty cool. professional league there. And then you got Ryan Brown, who's arguably the best shooter in the league, or if that, if not, the even world. the world. The right. kid can shoot lights out, shoot the eyes out of a snake, and you've got him playing on the second line for the Atlas, and now he's kind of been freed in the sense, I guess. He's now going to the Water Dogs, the newly founded Water Dogs, and hopefully that gets them from 1-4 and four to 4-1 four and one, or just undefeated like they've got some talent on that team yeah, especially yeah you got connor kelly who's big shooter too yeah and it's just you put those dogs together like who are you gonna who you're gonna defend you gotta gotta pick which guy you want to take your risk on so i think the water dogs are definitely gonna have a good season here um then you've got connor fields that was a big one the right. blockbuster trade you got Connor Fields going from the chaos to the archers. So how do you feel about that? And you got Grant Amen on that team as well. Yeah, right, you got Grant Amen, uh, Connor Fields, two of fantastic attackmen. You know, Connor Fields on the left side, Grant Amen on the right side. You know, you'll have to see what they'll have to do or uh, how they'll play together. You never know because you can have all that talent on one team and uh, could all go to waste if guys get selfish. Guys start playing their own game. Yeah, uh, it's all about chemistry. You could have the best guys. And uh, still not play the best, but you know we'll have to see. I think that's kind of something we saw with the Atlas this year, and uh, I would say definitely in the first inaugural season of PLL, the Atlas seemed like going in they had all the dogs in the world, and that they were just kind of team chosen and kind of picked and predicted to be the champion. Because you got Paul Rabel, Ryan Brown, you've got Jack Concanon and Nat, you got Tucker Dirk and Kyle Hertzel, all all American guys who can mm-hmm. just absolutely ball. But it just kind of comes down to some of those guys need the ball in their stick on offense, and if they don't have that, they lose confidence. Or just like you said, that chemistry is not there, and it can just overall hurt the team. So I think it just really comes down to that chemistry, like you said, and just kind of being able to work as a team rather than have those kind of dogs try and carry the ball. And sometimes you have too many dogs, which obviously affected the Atlas. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you even have Rob Pinnell. He was on their team last year. I think that was his first year in the PLL. But yeah. Uh, it's just kind of crazy they get all the guys and then they still have a horrible season at one and four a horrible little bubble of a couple weeks or whatnot but uh rob pinnell is now being traded to the redwoods as well that happened early february or so 
Yeah, I, would, I, I don't think too many guys saw that coming, especially with Rob being so fresh to the league and arguably one of the best ex-attackmen to ever play at Cornell or even just college lacrosse in general. And mm-hmm. I mean, the guy can play both hands, dish the ball, shoot the ball, and do everything with it. But I think it just kind of comes down to like what we said earlier, like that chemistry, like that Atlas offense just looked disoriented that mm-hmm. whole season. Even though the season's only six games, like they just could not put it together. And I think it right now the Atlas coaching staff is just kind of going back to the board and kind of letting everyone free and probably just trying to start fresh. Trying to reset it all so they can get better next year, right? Yeah. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we've got... There was another big trade, I believe. Um, actually, no, it was Tucker Durkin and Kyle Hartzell being released to the player pool. That was a big From one. Atlas as well. Yeah, so the Atlas not just getting rid of their offense, but their defensive guys. I mean, Kyle Hartzell, yeah, he played D3 college, but like he's proven that he can play, whether it's on Team USA, the Atlas, and the MLL oh, with the New York Lizards. He spent a long time there, and they were winning championships like it seemed like every other year. But now you've got him released, maybe kind of comes down to that chemistry aspect. I mean, that's a big thing on defense, too. Like, you got to know where guys are going to be. And just kind of, I guess it helps if you know each other pretty well. And you got two absolute dogs in Tucker Durkin and Kyle Hartzell back there. I, I mean, they're probably used to being leaders on their team. And then with them being together, maybe that's a conflict thing. But I'm not too sure about that. Looking in, it's kind of looks like the Atlas are just jumping ship, like I said. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, looking at the stats from last year for the Atlas, to uh, Rob Pinnell, he was probably one of their best uh, point scorer overall. He had six goals, nine assists, and then he didn't really have much production from the attack. I mean, Chris Cludio committed seven goals or um, gave seven goals for them. And then Ryan Brown only had seven goals or six goals, no assists. And that's, you know, that's kind of tough. I didn't really see much production from their midfield either, so... Yeah, I think it just kind of comes down to having too many dogs because when you look back at it, Ryan Brown, it almost seemed like he was playing on that second line and maybe right. only getting one to two shifts a half. And mm-hmm. I just personally think you can't have the best shooter only playing one or two shifts a half. Like he's got to be one of your guys who's out there every single possession, but obviously only putting up six goals with limited time. I mean, it's still not great, but I feel like it could definitely be better. And then looking at, so we talked about Rob now being traded from the Atlas to the Redwoods, and the Redwoods still have Ryder Garnsey, correct? That's Yeah, they got Ryder. They've got some dogs, too. They got yeah. Matt Kavnaugh, who's just been right. balling out the last two exactly. years. Then you got Jules Hennenbergs, who he's going to be coming back this year. He missed the 2020 season due to the COVID, COVID-19 kind of protocol and some heart issues there, health issues. But, yeah, now the big question is who who's going to move up because you can't really rob, like run Rob Pinnell out of the midfield line. Like right. his, his kitchen is definitely – behind the net of X, so it kind of poses the question, is Ryder Garnsey moving up, Matt Kavnaugh, or do you put Jules up there? I mean, you can run Jules. Jules is a shifty guy, but then you got Matt Kavnaugh and Ryder Garnsey. I can't see Ryder Garnsey playing midfield. He's just, no offense, but he's a slower guy. And then the other thing with that is you got Matt Kavnaugh. Do you kind of mess up his chemistry and his flow where he's been balling at attack for the last two years, or do you just tell Jules or... Ryder, hey, like you guys suck it up. You're a younger guy. These guys have proven that they can ball at the top level. Like he's got your spot, kind of thing. Or what do you do in that situation? You think? I mean, you don't really know, but uh, I think looking at their attack, like you said, Ryder Garnsey, Matt Cavanaugh, and Rob Pinnell, I think 
their mainly based attackmen and moving them up to midfield I think would mess a lot of things up and even Jules Hedenberg he's an athletic guy he's pretty lanky I mean I think he can run but mostly when you're a professional at this high end like the best players in the world like we were talking about I feel like you know you really stick to either attackman or midfield in the grand scheme of things but I think my best option would definitely be Jules Hedenberg or you never know a trade can come out of nowhere they can get an attackman or a midfielder for one of these attackmen so we'll have to see yeah, definitely be interesting too because you got Sergio Perkovic, you got Miles Jones, you've got some dogs. Yeah, you've got some dogs at the midfield line, and it's just kind of poses a question like, who are you going to play? Like, kind of comes down to like what we we're saying about the Atlas. Sometimes you can have too many dogs, and hopefully this doesn't turn out like that for the Redwoods. But it's always a always a question in the back of your mind. So that's all we got for the first episode of Gearing Up with Sean Dunn and Tristan Kirkham. Tune in next week for. Some of our championship predictions and looking at all the teams this year and how they're going to match up against others. And then we'll touch on that merger and kind of more details of how the PLL and MLL will kind of be moving on in the future and how that deal went down. And how they're going to handle the whole situation. Thanks for listening. Thank you.